0: This is the Media Week industry podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au.
1: Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. We're going to be talking about Australian connected consumers today. I'm joined by Deputy Editor at Media Week, Dan Barrett. Uh, Hi Dan. Hey James. Special guest today is Lillian Zrim from, did I get that right, Zrim? Yes. <laughs> it's a great surname. Associate Director at Nielsen. Now, Lillian, you sort of put this report together?
2: Yes, yes I do. I've been authoring that report for about eight years, but we've been doing that in various iterations for about 18 years.
1: Okay, now how, how do people get this report? Have they got to be sort of existing Nielsen customers? How does it work?
2: Uh, no, anyone can subscribe to this report. Um, it's subscription-based, um, so yeah, if you're interested. Anyone yep. can, yep. you know, we, we have um, clients from media agencies to advertisers um, to media companies.
1: Okay. Now, sorry, how many years did you say the report's been going?
2: 18. Wow. Very long time. we're was yeah. when
1: a very different connected consumer back then.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It was very it was about, kind was of... In, ni- it, into the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. In, it, in, it, in its infancy, um, it's been really interesting to see it grow over the course of even the last decade, the last five years of sort of really changed um, the landscape a lot Yeah, um, and impacted a lot of businesses.
1: And does Nielsen do this report internationally in lots of different markets they operate in? Or is this um, a sort of Australian initiative? Or?
2: Yeah, it's mainly an, an Australian initiative, but we have um, for the past two or three years been running it in other markets, um, New Zealand and Asia Pacific and, and whatnot. Okay. Not on the scale that we do in Australia, but um, yeah, it's become an important landscape report and the Many data months. we
1: talk about today, it refers pretty much to 2015?
2: Yeah, so we take this um, measure in December of each year and it's a look back over the calendar year, over 2015.
1: Right, yeah. Uh, Dan, there's lots of uh, stats in here. I, we're going to be talking about uh, technology, devices, screens, the video landscape, the online retail market, advertising trends. Where do you want to start? Well, I just thought maybe we'd start with these trends towards mobile at the moment. Uh, it says uh, that
0: there's a discrepancy between older and younger viewers, uh, users, obviously with mobile sort of familiarity. Yep. Now, is there much for report sort of um, interest in uh, like the economic sort of differences between people? So, I would presume that uh, people of whom are economically less well off are more likely to be mobile users. Would that be right?
2: Um, we're not. I, I haven't got the data to support that, mm. um, but. It's more got to do with um, demographic preferences. So younger consumers really sort of tend towards mobile, whether or not that's sort of um, economically linked. Yeah. Um, we sort of haven't looked into that. Um, but um, I think as we kind of, um, those young consumers who are digital natives, um, the mobile is just that type of device that they kind of turn to. It's their preference. Um, whereas for older consumers, it is still more the traditional PC.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, I do know there's global trends at the moment where, like, third world countries, particularly, <laughs> mobile is huge there because it's a really cheap entry point to so computing for the first time.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, um it, yeah, definitely in those markets. Not so much in Australia. That's sort of mm. not why consumers are turning to mobile, um, particularly young consumers in Australia. Yeah. Um, but it has been an entry level point into online um, media usage, particularly for third world countries. And in those countries, they have very cheap smartphones or you know, cheap phones that can connect to the internet. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of enabling. A lot of that online access. Yeah,
0: I'm just thinking about my dad, of whom is a man, sort of in his <laughs> mid 60s now. Um, while he uses a desktop computer a fair bit, I've noticed his mobile use has been skyrocketing now that he's got the mobile that will actually have you know connected. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, it's interesting because um, uh, older consumers tend to go more um, on traditional devices, mm. but the tablet has been a, is more um, uh, of a preference for older consumers. Um, rather than the mobile, and I think that's got a lot to do with the larger screen of as course. well. Yep. <laughs> uh, and, that, and that does play into um, preferences too. I think older consumers tend towards larger screens. Younger consumers, they're very happy to use a very tiny screen.
0: Yeah. So Fablet's obviously, probably quite popular with the older crowd. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: The um, just to it's probably good st- at somewhere at the beginning just to drop in some of those stats about the overall connectivity of you now. There's something like three and a half hours a day for the average. Aussie online? Yeah, yeah,
2: we're spending a considerable amount with online media across and the day. That's... how much
1: of that time would be mobile? Can you sort of break that down? It's,
2: it's still, um, if, if I was to look at time spent on um, traditional devices like PCs and laptops versus mobile, um, to debunk some myths, even though there is a growing preference towards mobile devices, a lot of access is still on traditional devices. So... Um, so partly
1: through workplace usage, do you Well, think, this or?
2: report mainly looks at personal usage, that oh, okay. includes personal usage at work. Right. Um, so if we were to add in work, uh, that would definitely... Yeah, towards okay. PCs. So even
1: outside of the workplace, there's yep. still a place for laptops and, and yep. PCs, yeah? Yep. Yep.
2: Absolutely. Um, within the home, um, particularly. Um, so there's still that reliance on those, old, those traditional computing devices, um, and I'd sort of lump laptops in with desktops there but um, we are seeing a bit of a decline in terms of um, usage across those devices, but it's still where most access occurs. It's mobile, and the reason why we talk a lot about mobile is that's where all the growth is coming from. Um, And that's not just in terms of access, but the time that we're spending and across all the activities that we're tracking, the majority is still on PC, but it's downward, mobile's up across everything.
1: And you measure a lot of the stats uh... People aged sixteen plus, but you also track younger too, don't you? Is um,
2: that right? Within this report, um, it's um, online Australians sixteen plus, so that's just people that are using the internet, which is about nine in ten online Australians sixteen plus. Yeah. Um, but it's not the entire population. Um, but in some of our other measurement data, we do track from two plus.
1: Okay, because there's a stat there on it's got active online audience age two plus. It's 79%.
2: Yeah, and, and in, in Australia, we actually have one of the highest um, connectivity um, across the world. So, you know, we love our internet and we love our technology in Australia. Dan,
1: it's interesting, like, two, two years old is the uh, starting off, you know. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's some, where... Some young kids get shoved... To, I suppose kids are getting a um, to use an iPad at that age to watch TV and stuff like yeah. that almost. Yeah
2: yeah we did we did a, um, a youth study very similar to this connected consumer report a couple of years ago, um, and tablet is definitely that entry level device for younger consumers to you know, in that very early stages just because they can't use things like keyboards and things like that. So um, you know the tablet is, is a good device for that, and video is that very first entry point in terms of their online connection. so again, the tablet is more conducive to that than other sort of devices like the PC and the laptop. Yeah. so you kind of start with a tablet. And then you kind of, as you get older, you sort of end up with a tablet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, you kind of think about platforms like iView and also Netflix. They really invest quite heavily into kids' content because they know kids are using these devices.
1: And yeah. yeah.
2: And, and video is definitely a big one for younger consumers, like kids and teens. Sure. Yeah.
1: The, um, the, as you said, yeah, one of your, um, there's lots of great graphics in this report too. The, the PC still reigns as supreme. Well, still rains, but losing screen time to mobile phones. And you've got a list of the activities, um, the most common activities. Now, that's by uh, both, uh, by by desktop comparing it with mobile, right?
2: Yeah, just really to demonstrate. um, We we only really focus on sort of, uh, in terms of that data, um, PC versus mobile, because... Uh It's kind of um, across all different activities, from search to watching online video to accessing news and social. We see that trend sort of declining for the traditional PC and and moving upward for the mobile now, help, device. help
1: me out here, Lillian, because I'm I've printed a <laughs> color a color chart out in black and white. So I'm does this yeah. show, does this show that desktop uh, slash laptop? Outperforms mobile in virtually all yeah, those categories absolutely. still. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, interesting.
2: So, so, and that, that's um, why I was, you know, was stating before that a lot of that access is still on traditional devices. There are some activities that already skew a little bit towards mobile, like for example, engaging with social TV mm-hmm. or social media. Um, you can see that you know more people access on mobile than than um, than other activities but they're still accessing it on the PC more.
1: Do you think next year's report, we might see some of these um, bars representing mobile move out ahead of PC laptop? Yeah, so I, I, th- th- I think, trending it, that way?
2: Yeah, I think um, we'll, we'll still start to see um, that gap and narrowing between PC and mobile usage. Um, and in some um, areas we've already seen mobile overtake, not necessarily in terms of what you're looking at there in terms of content consumption, but things like um, multi-screening, where you know the key multi-screening or second-screening device, that's watching TV and using the internet at the same time, that key second-screening device used to be the laptop and for the first time last year it switched to mobile. So already mm-hmm. we're starting to see mobile sort of overtake PC um, in some areas. But um, not everything. Right. So it's all pointing that. That's why we focus so much on the mobile. But um, you know, people are still turning to those traditional devices um, to do a lot of activities.
1: Yeah, the um, it's interesting too, Dan. The percentage of the total population online by age group. Uh, the biggest age group is forty-five fifty-nine. More people.
2: Yeah, and that's um, Who that's. Thought? Yeah. yeah.
0: you
1: sure that's right? Well, yeah. that's, that's just because we've got more people in Australia off that age group. Is that's, that the? That's, that's what, yeah. you yeah. oh, are looking at the profile but that's there. a percentage, though, isn't it, of that demo? So it doesn't matter how many there are in that number. I know that's a percentage of overall people. That's profile. Oh, okay. Yeah, so if okay. we were to look at
2: penetration by oh, okay. age
1: group. So, so, okay, so how does that graph change?
2: Yeah, so for example, um, if we're looking at the total um, percentage of the population online, 16 plus, only 13%, uh, 16 to 24. Obviously, they represent a much smaller okay. uh, group but of Australians. But their percentage
1: would be higher, It'd would be it? be almost than... 100%. Oh, right, okay. Um,
2: whereas if you look at someone 60 plus years, it's 20, they represent 20% of online Australians, but they are one of the biggest group, the baby boomers. Um, they represent a, a large group of Australians. It's probably um, less than that. I don't know what the figure would be, but it definitely wouldn't be 100%.
1: So I'm thinking a lot of advertisers might be surprised, though, at this, because digital seems to sort of say, oh, yeah, you've got to go after yeah. the youngsters. you know. <laughs> but there's actually more people online aged 45 yeah. plus and I, than I, the I younger. So yeah. a lot of people are probably missing potential business by not including that in their, um, their yeah. marketing?
2: Yeah, I often, um, uh, when I'm talking to um, our subscribers about some of the insights across the report, we do tend to focus a lot about the reach of younger consumers because they are much higher, um, but I always tend to point out the 60 plus age group or the older consumers, um, I think it's something like video on demand, still 40% of our online 60 plus audience are watching video on demand. Uh, compared to you know maybe 70 or 80 percent of our 16 to 24s and that's not an insignificant amount of consumers so um yeah we tend to skew more towards um the younger demographics just because that's where all the big punchy stats are yeah um and they sort of are leading the charge in terms of some of that access but lots of older consumers are doing that um lots of activities online so it's still quite a viable channel to reach them
0: yeah now i'm really interested in time of day that people are accessing content now the version of the report i have is missing those pages so i'm hoping you sort of fill me (laughs) in on some of this yeah Uh, so what time of day are people watching particularly video on demand content
2: video on demand actually um and most video and if i was talking about video to include tv includes in that evening prime time period Mm. so video on demand most people are watching in that evening period. Um, but um, yeah, they are snacking on that content or watching that content across the day as well.
0: Yeah. So now, traditional prime time. Yeah, the, the line that we keep on being given by the SVOD providers in Australia is that people are watching a lot of prime time TV and then as things start moving out of like that 7.30 to 8.30 sort of time, people starting then start gravitating towards video on demand services like Stan, Presto, Netflix. Does that sort of track with what you found?
2: Um, I don't... No, it's not. We're not sort of seeing um, a lot of late night viewing in terms of video on demand, in terms of what consumers told us throughout this report. Yeah. It is still really within that prime time period, um, but there is, there is still some consumption late at night, but so is traditional TV yeah. as well.
0: So essentially the consumption is more or less what we expect from broadcast TV, which is bulk of people really watching between say maybe six to nine o'clock and then it just starts dropping off. Yep. Yeah. 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 And so that's what we saw across both broadcast and SVOD. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're
2: not sort of seeing that um, correlation between a drop in broadcast viewing and then an increase in video demand. It's generally, I think, the time when consumers have that availability to sit down and consume the content that they want to consume. Mm. That's where we're seeing most of that consumption happening, not a
0: switching between the two. No, that's always what I've kind of assumed. But yeah, it's great to hear you sort of backing (laughs) that up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Lillian you've got an interesting section there on wearables, has, yeah. has that been in the report long?
2: Um, we started tracking wearables last year and um, it's been an interesting one because we have seen some increases in terms of, and we're, when we're talking about wearables we're talking about connected wearables like smart watches but also connected fitness bands. Um, which um, are kind of leading the charge in terms of that whole wearable um, outfit. So last year, I think it was 10% owned some sort of wearable, a smartwatch or, or a fitness band. It's a
1: staggering stat, I reckon. And this year, it's yeah. 16%. So really? it's jumped. So okay. we've seen
2: that increase. But we did did separate it out this year to try to get a separate measure on just smartwatches. Nine in, 9% of online Australians 16 plus own a wearable or own a smartwatch, which I think is actually quite a solid, staggering stat.
1: Yeah, it's much Uh, higher than I would have expected. considering they only launched the Apple Watch, what, a year ago?
2: Mid last year. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: you didn't even have a, you know, so that presumably that's going to jag substantially, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I
2: mean, Samsung um, certainly having um, some some success with their uh, Galaxy Gear. At the time that we took this measure last year, that was actually the most popular smartwatch. Um, But Apple was close behind. Um, again, Apple Watch only launched mid last year, mm. and we took this in December. So I don't know how things have shifted since then, um, but um, yeah, there were other smartwatches on the market before the Apple Watch launched. Yeah.
0: But the majority of wearables are people wearing fitness trackers rather than a smartwatch, is that correct? Well,
2: nine percent own a smartwatch, um, and then there's uh, maybe. Ten percent, I think, that own um, a fitness band. Mm. Um, so that's sort of there's obviously a bit of duplication between the so two. So one in
1: ten own a smart watch. Yeah, yeah. I, you, you, I would have never thought that. You reckon that's high, isn't
0: it? It seems a little higher than I would have expected. But I mean, you also sort of look around and yeah, you've got quite a few Android smart watches out there, and then the Apple Watch has been sort of reasonably successful. And like I've got an Apple
1: Watch, and I do see them around a fair bit. So I mean, ten percent seems very high. But, but that's the yeah. great yeah. thing about this report. it because there's lots of perceptions out there, aren't yeah. there, about this and that, and, and something like this just comes in and blows off them away. You go, wow. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, one of the things that caught me, and this sort of is tangential to the connected watches, uh, smart watches, uh, is contactless payments. Yep. Now, obviously, since you've done this report, we've seen ANZ, one of the big four banks, embrace Apple Pay. Would you expect that when you do this survey next time, uh, like, you know, 12 months from now that you're actually going to see that the number of contactless payments sort of skyrocketed?
2: Yeah, definitely. And yeah. Um, that's something that we've seen increase over the past year. So that 67% of consumers have used the contactless um, card payment, like mm. PayWave or, Pay, or PayPass. Um, and about a third are doing so regularly. So that's we've seen that increase, and certainly as more applications or more um, um, technology um, enters the market, we're going to see that increase. So consumers are not... Um, necessarily concerned about using that type of um, contactless credit card payments. Um, if we're going to shift the conversation to talk about mobile wallet, yeah. that's still <laughs> taking a little bit of time. And I think that's because consumers are maybe a little bit more concerned around privacy around mobile wallets that are using your phone mm. to, to actually make that contactless payment rather than your actual credit card. Um, but it's it's growing. And yeah. contactless credit card payments um, are certainly that uh, paving the way to move towards mobile wallet.
0: Mm. Weirdly, because I've been using my smartwatch to make the occasional ANZ payment, I actually trust my watch and smartphone a bit more than I do just the card. Oh, right, interesting, yeah. yeah. Just, uh, I suppose yeah.
2: your watch is quite personal too, like as as you're wearing that. Um, but yeah, I think when we're talking about the majority of the population, I think there's still largely a concern around yeah. that privacy. I and think for me, because there's really. the
1: fingerprints involved that kind of, uh, Ah, yeah. That would be it then, mm. yeah. And that too you'd think you may oh, it's maybe a lot of tech guys are into all this, but like the stats for women are, are nearly line ball with uh males. Yeah. so Definitely in terms of A lot of women function. like their um their um, Fitbits and stuff like that, don't
2: Yeah, they? so um uh yeah, women definitely tend more towards the fitness bands, but I think it's about um seven percent still own a smartwatch compared to ten percent um of males.
0: Yeah. Um Sorry, I just got one more thing, just something else that was missing from my report. Uh, There's the focus on video on demand. Now, is there much, did you guys do much research into who's watching overseas services against Australian services For
2: We do, um, for the the last few years, we've been capturing the destinations that people have been using to watch Mm. video on demand. So before Netflix launched last year, we already started to capture a measure of like, amongst our video on demand audience, which is about half of um, the Australian population. 6% Six percent at the point at that point in two thousand and fourteen were watching Netflix, which no. wasn't even in six Australia per- yet. Six percent of all Australians? No, six percent of our video on demand audience. Okay, which yeah. is about half of Australians. Sure. So even before netflix launched in australia people were circumventing that geo blocking um, yeah. to to get that overseas content um, or to get to, for that from that provider um, that's obviously changed in the market in the last year given that netflix australia has launched here but there's certainly still that same proportion of people that are actually still accessing overseas content so it's
0: still hovering at that 6% mark yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so six percent. Okay, so obviously the pie would have grown a fair bit with more competitors in the Australian market. Yep. So it's still sitting at six percent. Then, like is that?
2: Um, it's six percent of the video on demand audience. but yeah. the video on demand audience has grown. Of course, so last yeah. year I, th- I think the previous year it was fifty five. It's now fifty nine percent. Um, and based on uh, consumers' intention to start watching video on demand, 67% by the end of this year. Okay. And when we're talking about video on demand, we're actually talking about long and short form content, yeah. um, illegal and official sources like catch up or, or subscription video on demand. It's all kind of encompassing, but um, you know, for the last few years, it's sort of been on the up and up. Consumers really sort of getting comfortable with getting their content from online sources.
0: Yeah. That's not including sort of torrents or anything like that, is it? It is. Oh, it is? Yeah, okay. yeah.
2: Although we have seen some deepness. have seen meters. a change in that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think, um, you know, with this advent of video on demand in the Australian market, you know, there's been lots of reports about how, you know, traditional TV is on the decline and whatnot. We're not really seeing that it's having that massive impact on traditional TV. It's actually having more of an impact on illegal access of content mm. and certainly the government has taken measures to try and stop consumers going to illegal sites and they've closed down sites like pirate bay um our measure of uh, people pirating content is now 12 percent. last year that was 22 percent. Yeah. so that's a huge drop and we haven't seen TV drop that much actually it's quite um, you know stabilised really um, so I think with the breadth of content available now lots of different providers mm-hmm. um, to get different types of content that's certainly um, having an impact in terms of consumers going to official sources now for that yeah. um, viewing Behavior.
0: That makes perfect sense because you'd think that a lot of um, illicit downloading is happening with people watching things casually and when yeah. you've got casual access to something like Netflix yeah. where you're just doing the browsing that way, you don't necessarily need the things that you'd be watching. Yeah otherwise. and also it's about the content isn't it too, you Yeah,
1: know, the thing that's driving people is maybe not the fact that it's free, is that they want to see something so mm. even if you've got to pay for it and it's easier to get, they'll pay for it. Maybe. Yeah
2: yeah and I think before video on demand really started to take off in Australia. That was what we were hearing. It was kind of like, well, I don't know where to get that content from or the content that I want isn't available. Um, Whereas now a lot of those sort of um, barriers to watching video on demand have been negated with the breadth of content and providers that we have now.
1: uh, What's your when you uh, measure video on demand, what are the parameters? You said a bit of that it's, before. Um, does that include like YouTube and all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, it as does. Well?
2: We we kind of we define it um, quite broadly. Um, otherwise, it could be a whole other debate. Um, just TV and movie content delivered by online sources.
1: Because you, and you've got a stat there about the subscription element of that. So it it says 59 in 2015, up from 55. So is that the percentage of people who pay? No, that's the percentage of people that are just watching video on demand. The
2: most popular destination is um, is YouTube, um, and similar proportions are actually watching catch-up networks um, as well. Um, So... Um, you know, it does include those free sites. but it also includes things like um, short form content, like segments or snippets, Um, Facebook, you know, people sort of, you know, citing Facebook as a destination that they're watching video on demand. You've got segments coming through there. Um, That's all encompassing. In terms of video on demand, um, it's, it's only like about 24% and subscription video on demand is like a subset of that. so um, if we were to talk about video on demand and consumers you know flocking to the internet to watch TV and movie content actually paying for that content is a lot less than the free services that are available
0: yeah now Facebook's really interesting when I use the when you use the phrase video on demand because that's being served to you regardless of actually being on demand it's just kind of coming to you so how are you going to differentiate that or do you
2: yeah we we sort of um, uh, put that in front of our consumers as a destination where people can get content yeah. because it's it's not necessarily an on-demand platform because
0: you're not um, making the active choice
2: yeah well yeah. I suppose it's coming through your feed and you're making a choice to actually view that content or not and mm. I suppose that content is also being served to you based on your preferences and things like that um, but when we try and put a measure on um, you know how people are watching TV and movie content you know whether that's sort of snacky content um, we think that social is certainly an area, a platform that uh, consumers, particularly younger consumers, are getting exposed to that type of content, you know, whether or not it's full pro program or s- more snacky yeah or Facebook. Do you think uh,
0: Facebook Live is going to explode that figure out a bit over the next twelve months?
2: Um, I think you know there is certainly they have been focusing a bit more on video um, yeah. in terms of their platform. Um, I can't quite say. Um, I do know that. Um, in, within our report, we've got um, about 70% of the online population, 60 plus, that have an active profile on Facebook. So when you think about that's that's quite a broad section of the population, including our 60 plus audience. Um, certainly they've got the eyeballs there to be able to serve that kind of content, whether or not they actually become content versus communications platform or social platform. That's a whole nother story.
0: Yeah, I found my time on site via mobile with Facebook has increased dramatically in the last few weeks from Facebook Live. Like every so often something come through. I saw Trump uh, protesters a couple of days ago and I found myself watching for like half an hour on it. The,
1: <laughs> yeah, all you know,
2: right. Oh, time well spent, yeah. Dan. Yeah, <laughs> I think when you've got sort of the masses um, captured in a location, you certainly have, um, you know, quite a bit of power in terms of putting content in front of that audience.
1: Yeah, very much so. Uh, I want to ask you about online shopping, something close and dear to many people's hearts. Um, that continues to explode, too, doesn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah. I think um, in Australia, it, it's you know, if I was to talk about the last five to ten years, it has been a slow process in terms of moving consumers towards online in Australia, and that's why lots of consumers went overseas to buy content. But um, we've got a significant amount of Australians now purchasing goods and services online it's like the reach is like 9 in 10 of our online consumers um, but we have seen a big shift in the dynamic um, of online retail in the last year um, not so much in the proportions that are purchasing but what
1: we're what purchasing they're buying, yeah. yeah now do you track sales within Australia and buying from overseas sites at all
2: Um, Not in terms of a dollar value, but in terms of the proportions that are purchasing locally. Okay, so Australia's
1: moving up. Is that what you were alluding to before? Or is there still a lot of people buying internationally? There's
2: still a lot of people buying internationally. Um, I think that um, although retailers are still... Capturing that Australian audience in the local market now, because there's been a lot more focus in terms of online offerings yeah. now for sales.
1: You say in the notes, things like clothing, shoes, accessories, are they the thing that have been creeping up? More people yeah. are comfortable buying that stuff online.
2: Yeah. So if, you know, for as long as I can remember, within this report um travel has been one of the key categories purchased online and some of the more entry-level um purchases have been things like digital downloads and whatnot so that's sort of uh, quite easy but over time we've seen those um you know physical goods really creep up fashion is certainly one that has crept up for the first time last year we saw clothing shoes and accessories take the top spot in terms of what was purchased um, uh, in online retail in australia which is a significant change and um Things like food and grocery as well. So food and grocery, excluding takeout, we saw um, jump up also for the first time um, last year.
1: You mentioned travel, but I wonder, Dan, there's just, you know, when you're booking a trip, there's just so many alternatives (laughs) and options online. This is where the sort of bricks and mortar retailer is making a bit of a comeback. People started realising you can actually go into your travel agent who's on top of all that stuff and they can lead you straight to the best deal. So you maybe can research it online, but maybe when it comes to that final decision, a lot of people seem to be trending back to the travel agent.
0: Yeah, or is, it, is the travel agent actually increasing again or is it just that they are being diminished and dwarfed by the number of people buying physical goods?
2: It's, it's more, um, travel is still increasing in mm. terms yeah. of um, the proportions that are purchasing that category online. It's just that other categories have taken over Um, so as people become more comfortable with purchasing things like um, clothing, shoes, and accessories. And, you know, a lot of retailers, they have, like, same-day delivery, free returns. You know, it's made it so easy and really... Uh, alleviated a lot of the barriers for consumers in terms of purchasing um, physical goods online. So, um, you know, why not? Uh, But I don't think it means like the death of bricks and mortar. I think that Mm. they definitely have a place. And what we're seeing in in, in terms of the research that's coming out of this report is that even um, that, that path to purchase is not linear. They're using online to even just help research, but that's pushing them into bricks and mortar as well. Um, so yeah, there's still, um, there's still quite a value in terms of that.
0: Uh, what role is showrooming playing in that decision making process at the moment? So are people still going into stores and then purchasing online while they're in a store or is that <laughs> diminishing while they're? <laughs>
2: Um, there are yes, there are some yeah. uh, people. Um, we we actually cover that in the report too. Uh, the proportions of people that are actually going in store, looking at something on the shelf, and then buying that item while they're standing right in front of it yeah. on the shelf. <laughs> well, because you can price and search elsewhere. And, yeah, yeah, mobiles really facilitating that, and it's it's not so much. Um, uh, it, it's all driven really by you know price is one of the key things that consumers. Are really driven by so you know if they're going to see something on the shelf and purchase it online I can guarantee you that main driver of that is price yeah so um, you know so price more...
1: comparisons are they still popular People that's still one of that. the
2: main things that consumers are turning to online research or turning when they're researching goods and services that's one of that's at top of the list you know, regardless of whether that's online or in person. So if you're
1: speaking to a client who's big in online and you go out to see them, what sort of things are you saying to them that's got to be essential? What's that um, free returns? Is that that almost a given these days, do you think? I I think
2: um, if I was to talk more broadly, it's really try and alleviate all the barriers and concerns that consumers have around purchasing um, by adding things like that, Hmm. you know, and also if, if, if you've got a website, make sure that that's a real... You know, user-friendly experience um, that you know there's no sort of um, uh, bumps along the way to that purchase that can you know cause frustration in terms of and a as consumer. fewer
1: screens as possible between the
2: yep, deciding
1: yep. to buy it and checking out or whatever. Yeah, that's so, right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, in the report, you do cover people's willingness to pay for ephemeral content like music or digital downloads. Like, what trends are we seeing there?
2: I think. Um, they're like Australians uh, you know if I was to talk about um, Australians in general and our propensity to pay for content—we yep. all know that this is part Australians of my second don't question, like to pay for yeah. content, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, we are starting to—it's it's moving towards towards that um, that sort of area. Um, yeah, but um, but
0: against overseas trends, we're still a little reluctant. Is that safe to say?
2: Um, I think yeah, I think a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, we're not sort of easily accepting of that content. We kind of <laughs> yeah. want to know all the details, like what am I getting? Um, you know, what what's that value? I'm getting out of you know every dollar that I'm paying for that so Mm. um,
0: but yeah is it also maybe just sort of habits being broken at the moment where we've spent so long sort of grabbing stuff for free online that now we're changing that behavior
2: yeah look and I think um, definitely when we look at younger consumers, they're born into a world where they 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 get everything for free, or they they know how to get it for free. Yeah. Um, and certainly that's that's making it a little bit harder to get consumers to pay for that content. And so I you don't... think it
0: actually is harder now to get people to pay because you've got that younger generation of whom are when they sort of reach their twenties, when they actually have some money to spend, are yeah. still not making those purchasing sort of decisions. I
2: think well, with younger consumers, they they're willing to pay if it's quality. Mm. So they kind of understand that that um, that trade-off between something that's not quality and something that, that that's quality. Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a barrier to paying for content. I think it's just more of a long road in terms of that. So when you're thinking about um, music for example that was one of the first things that um, consumers were you know turning to online to get that content for free you know whether that was legal or not um, but here we are at a point now where consumers kind of pay for that content and yes yeah. there is some element of getting that for free but that was a very long road to getting consumers to pay for that particular content so um, I think that's with anything um, with that, whether that be news content and video it's about well what quality am I getting but for paying for that that I can't get for free um,
0: yeah. Are teenagers paying for things like Netflix and Spotify, or is that happening in the twenties onwards?
2: Um, younger consumers, actually. Well, you see, younger consumers um, uh, are paying for Netflix. So, um, in terms of their audience, it does skew skew young. Yeah. So I so think- just
0: we should be, uh, like clarify young. So is this teenage <laughs> or is oh, this 20? or <laughs> well, is this young at heart? Damn young. Young. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, when I talk are these young- the people that should be getting off our lawn? <laughs> <laughs>
2: This is, um, when I talk about young in the, the report, we start from age 16. Hmm. So if I'm talking about very young, it's 16 to 24, um, even under, under sort of 30s. Yeah. Um, they're the ones that um, um, are paying for the, the Netflix content. Yeah, sure. so and, and then I think they kind of, they know, you know um, content availability of our Australian Netflix versus U- US Netflix aside, they know that um, they can get the content that they want or that it's gonna be quality content. Um, and that's more that that's going to get consumers on board um, quicker.
0: Yeah,
1: sure. I've got a few things to soldier through here. Before we let you go, Lillian, um, social. We talked a little bit about Facebook before. Do you have any of the stats about the the different sites people are spending time on? Do you you're seeing trends there of maybe things that are declining, things that are increasing?
2: Yeah, I think. Well, I, I mean, first and foremost, Facebook is the leader in the social space. Um, we. We capture, um, uh, and I alluded to the the figure before, who's got an active profile Mm -hmm. on certain networks. That's not reach, um, but active profile, and 70% have Facebook. Um, And then when you get to the next few brands, it sort of jumps jumps down to like 20%, 17%. Um, You know, sites like YouTube, um, although you can use YouTube without an active profile. So... Um, And Facebook has really maintained that dominance. I think last year, in last year's report, we started to see some younger consumers moving away from Facebook and now they're back again. So I think they kind of have maybe a little bit of a love-hate relationship, but the audience is there and we've actually seen it grow up and up um, over the last few years, edging upwards. What we are seeing um, is an increase in terms of some of the smaller niche sites, um, image and messaging-based platforms like Instagram, Pinterest, WhatsApp, and Snapchat, which all cater to very different types of segments but quite niche. But they're the platforms that we're actually seeing on the increase in the last year.
1: Yeah. You blow away any myths there? Are there any old people using Snapchat? Come on, <laughs> shake it up a
2: bit. It's, uh, <laughs> I, it's, no. Snapchat's very young. But things mm. like... Um, you know, Pinterest, um, Instagram, even Instagram, yeah, Instagram, sort of filtering
1: across more age groups. Older, getting
2: older, like younger consumers really love those platforms, but some of them stretch out to sort of like the, the mid-aged um, or, or, or older um, yeah. in the 30s. Um,
0: okay, and Twitter. Oh, so, just sorry. quickly, do you go any deeper into what people are doing on those social channels? So, like Snapchat, for example, you get a message between friends, or you could also discover where there's media companies serving content to yeah. you. So, did you break it down that far, or was it just purely no, surface?
2: Yeah, not not in that far. Um, we talk in the report a lot about how people are using social to connect with brands and things like that, but mm. not necessarily on each individual platform. Yeah, sure. Breaking that out. Twitter.
1: you yeah. Is there, any, has there been a fall off at all in Twitter, it, do you find?
2: Or? Twitter's actually just an, like more of a niche platform. Like it, so it's not- Are you
1: to work in the media business? Or yeah. yeah <laughs>
2: and it's always, it's, it's sort of maintained. Um, it's, I think it's less than 20%. Um, um, forgive me if I don't yeah, yeah. figure off the top of my head. But, um, you know, so it's
1: plateaued. You'd say, yeah, you
2: know. it, it, yeah, and I, again, I think some of these platforms, like the ones I mentioned earlier, like Instagram, and Pinterest, they, they're going to cater to a specific segment, and that's the fragmentation of the social pla- social um, um, platforms. Apart from Facebook, which has the broadest reach and by far, um, so yeah, you've got some of these platforms that are going to really cater to certain types of um, activities and brands and, and whatnot, and um, but yeah, Twitter's also. Oh, Count that as one of the niche brands as
0: well but the growth you're seeing is in platforms which are very image based rather than image, text
2: image and, and messaging based yeah. yeah but image image platforms have seen a surge definitely write
1: mm. that down dan no more words in media weeks all gonna be <laughs> photos mate all right word counts <laughs> down to <of> 20 words <laughs> and
0: well
2: i mean guitarals. on those platforms video videos yeah. now you can use video and instagram now and yeah. things like that so mm. you know it's image not just static anymore
1: and mm. while we're still on social multitasking yeah do people, do you have any sort of insights on that? Do people, do you find people going, oh, look, they're doing three or four things at once here? What's yeah, going so on?
2: look, you know, multitasking um, or multi screening, um, yeah. and the, we define that as watching TV and using the internet on another device at the same time. That's not a new concept. 76% of our online Australians, 16 plus, do that. That's remained quite stable or sort mm-hmm. of edging up okay. last few years. But what has changed is the what we call triple screening that's been on the up and up and up so 33% of our online Australians 16 plus triple screen and that's using that's watching what's TV that again? 33% Jeez. so they're watching TV and they're using two devices or more at the same time so use, what, what's screens.
0: what's considered a device then is this because I mean I think about myself I've got my TV usually a tablet or a smartphone and then watch yeah. Uh, is this people using laptops as well as one of the other? Like, what are we including?
2: Yeah. So, laptops, smartphones, tablets, um, PC, although less so, smartwatches. Mm-hmm. Um, so that w- that's something that we actually started to see a little bit of a read in terms of people multi-screening. So again, the adoption of that device filtering through other activities. Um, but for the first time, um, and people are doing this on a weekly basis. Like, I think two thirds are doing it weekly, thirty-seven percent daily. So it's a very significant. Activity in our repertoire, but the change in the last year has been um, in terms of the, that second screening device, as I mentioned before, it's mobile, um, whereas before it used to be laptop. Um, so um, certainly, that device really playing through yeah.
0: there. And is it trending up across all demos?
2: Um, it's it's younger um, younger consumers tend to do that more, but it's really that sort of like I think between. 16 to 40 it's still yeah. quite high 76% I think well actually 90% of under 35s is a multi-screening compared to 76% overall yeah um but um Everyone's doing it from young to old. It's just younger consumers to a greater degree.
0: Yeah, talking to quite a few of my peers, so mid thirties, we're talking. A lot of been making active choices to stop second screen. Sorry, James. As well, Um, (laughs) we've been making active choices to stop second screening and actually, let alone triple screening, and actually focus on the TV shows that we're watching. So Yeah. yeah, no,
2: like we aren't sort of seeing that backward movement, but we don't really go into a lot of detail around maybe what you're. You know what your second screening during is it like during your favorite program or is it just during regular programming or ads? We sort of don't go down into that level of detail, so maybe that's when we'll start to see a little bit of nuances yeah. in terms of multi screening. But no, we've actually seen it go up two percentage points in the last couple of years, which I would kind of call yeah. stable.
0: I'm just finding it phenomenal. We hit the third screen now. I know. And yeah. it's sort
2: of like, you know, last year it was 31%. The year before, I think it was 26%. So as we adopt more devices, we're so familiar and savvy with using multiple screens at the same time. Um, so I kind of don't almost... I found that as a surprise maybe a couple of years ago. Now it's not so much as a surprise. As now we're adding things like smartwatches into the mix.
0: And yet no one's ever really used picture-in-picture on their TV. Go figure! Well, they never really no. developed that technology, technology well, properly, did they? I no, love not it. Really. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> it's
1: just always been a gimmick, more yeah. than a useful thing. Yeah. Um, look, I think you're going to have depressing news for me about emails. There's uh, <laughs> still no downward trend in the use of email.
2: No, you know, like people are just Please still come using come on, throwing me a bone. Yeah, here. look, you know, um, we know that again. You know, different demographics. Um, you know the younger consumers might use chat more than they use email but mm. once you sort of hit you know 20s mid 20s everybody's using email and I think even though this is more of a personal yeah. um, so, um, personal usage survey I think because we It's well, pretty corporate. amazing
1: those stats considering it is a personal usage survey isn't it yeah so it's uh, top 10 online activities over 12 months 99% yeah. Email, weekly or more, 93%. Yep. got so I think gotta keep answering those <laughs> f- <email. laughs> It's
2: not going away anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, look,
1: a couple of uh, just things to wrap from me. Uh, ad blocking. Interesting. Is, yeah. it, is it moving more to video ad blocking these days? I mean, you know, is it? Is it both? What's going on?
2: Well, I, th- I think um, we look at we don't look at necessarily the format um, that okay. people are blocking, but more the device uh-huh. that people are using for for ad blocking technology. And um, it's mainly p- traditional, like devices like PCs and laptops. I think a third are telling us um, that they've got some sort of ad blocking technology on that device. When we're looking at smartphone users and tablet users, that figure drops to about ten percent, but. Based on intentions to install ad blocking technology um, by the end of this year, it's mobile that's expecting the biggest growth. So we're expecting it to go from 10 to 30%. So we're expecting it to triple. Um, Do you
1: find those intention things often don't come true though? Oh uh, yeah, Yeah. it's
2: it's an intention. But um, I think what it definitely points more to is not necessarily a hard figure of exactly how much people are gonna be ad blocking. It's more, Mm. there's a real desire there. Uh, for people to to use that type of technology, um, it always tends to fall a little bit short. Occasionally above, but I think that's sort of certainly um, an issue for those particular devices. And when you think about younger consumers, if we're going to talk about younger consumers again, they're more aware of ad technology, ad blocking technology. They're more likely to be installing those ad blocking technologies. And when you're thinking about mobiles, that's a key platform to reach younger consumers. But then they're also using ad blocking technology presents a few issues there for advertisers. When
0: we're talking about ad blocking technologies, are people more concerned about web ads or ads being inserted into video?
2: We didn't really delve into that um, a lot, I think. Look, I get the yes.
1: feeling there's more video now
0: than... Well, because I mean, my day general day. frustration is always much more geared towards ads being inserted into video. Mm-hmm. But I'm also thinking about the number of companies now working on server-side ad insertions. So there won't be any way to really differentiate from a technology standpoint if you're watching the video being served or the video that's, you know, being loaded in as an ad. So, like, while there's that intention
1: to stop it, people may just not be able to if video is their biggest concern. Yeah, yeah. And um, your message to publishers would be, I guess, is. Try and not disrupt the viewing, pleasure the viewing um, experience too much because then people won't be motivated to get an ad block. Or Or is this a sell out of your industry now and (laughs) 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 just pack off?
2: Look, consumers are always going to give the most negative view of advertising. And when you, when you ask them that question, they're always going to have some sort of negative view. But what we hear from consumers time and time again is, I'm so much more accepting of an ad if it's relevant to me or if it's going to give me some information or an offer or whatnot. So I think, you know, advertise, if I was to sort of um, put a message out there to advertisers, it's really about um, thinking about the message that you're conveying to that consumer. Um, and really, the, the consumer is, has all the power and the choice these days, and um, really understanding your consumer and trying to give them something that, that you know that they're gonna need, and help align that also with your brand at the same time, is really what's going to sort of break through. Um, and you know, relevancy as well.
1: Yeah. Um, the last thing I'd want to know from you, Lillian, is your own personal tech. <laughs> I mean, not, you don't seem to have a wearable on. I mean, no, not, but I've you, been know, been you haven't brought about in here a... <laughs> A bag full of you know gadgets or anything just tell How us about you know what... well okay well that's right. what i want to know though what's i'm asking you I'm not... you're making me feel bad i've been second screening this for entire thing and <laughs> tell us tell us yeah. so I... let's start with the wearables you got you got I any don't wearables
2: have, i don't have a wearable at the moment but i have been thinking about the smart so watch. your intention you've yeah, got my intention, intention to i'm one that of those people box? that I, I definitely do um want a smartwatch. Uh-huh. um but i have a tablet um i have a what lap? android or ios it's a tab uh, it's yeah. an um, ios yep okay. um which is the, is the leader in the tablet yep. okay. um, whereas smartphones androids leading okay um what's your smartphone have, it's an it's an apple yep um yeah. i've got a lap tab which is <laughs> <It's> a <laptop. laughs> well kind of like a phablet it's a laptop and a tablet so it's the surface pro um which you know is a tablet but also a laptop yeah. at the same time, which I think is going to be the next big thing. I find You've got all the same
1: gear that uh, Dan's got here. No,
0: I've got the Surface Book. I've got the fancier version of it. Oh, <laughs> uh, right? Does it have touchscreen, though? Uh, yeah, it does. Oh, oh yeah, he's got that's to one-up himself, <laughs> doesn't he? It? Sorry, let me fun just... Fun uh, we go. Come on, Dan. Um, it's very
1: perform. I know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I have a smart TV and I have a games console. What um, sort of TV? Um, It's a Sony Bravia. Okay. I've got a T-Box. It's internet connected, yeah? Yeah, it's connected by my T-Box. The T-Box
1: is the Telstra yeah None, yep.
2: yeah but i'm looking to upgrade that to the new roku okay um
1: yeah the tells tv
2: yeah um and um a playstation and um xbox
1: wow so you do have a lot of gear Yep. So all get <laughs> it out do you think your average
2: um from
1: what you look at this survey do you think? i think you got maybe, a bit more or?
2: maybe a bit more um than average um but we know like a quarter of consumers are using three or more devices regularly not not necessarily for a screening but just on the fly, um, so I'd say a little bit more than regular. Um, I probably watch and connect to content, uh, connect to the internet and content on my TV a bit more than what normal consumers do. Um, but I figured that one out early. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> mm, great. All right, look, Dan, you got anything else you want to end on? I uh, know I've offended the guests so I'm perfectly good so <laughs> uh, <wind> things out. <laughs> That's great. So, look, it's Nielsen. If you go to their website, you'll be able to probably find out a little bit more about this report, how you could get one if you're interested. It's just fascinating stuff here. It uh, covers a lot of ground. Uh, Lillian, thanks for coming in. Pleasure. Thank you.